0: Welcome to another episode of the Richmond Bigfooty Tigercast. I'm your host, Michaels, and on the show today, we're going to be touching on the MRP outcomes again. I know it's a bit of a repetitive topic, but they, it's just a gift that keeps on giving, and we have another opposition supporter guest today as well, um, after the, the success we had last week with the Frankston Rover. Uh, but first of all, we'll in- introduce the Richmond guest, uh, Kres.com. Welcome to you, mate.
1: Thanks, mate. Thanks for having
0: me. No worries. And from the Geelong board, welcome to you, Reese.
2: Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me too. No
0: dramas at all. And as we do for all the first-time guests on the show, we'll just find out a bit about how you started supporting the team. So, Kraz, I'll start with you. How did you become a Richmond supporter?
1: Um, yeah, so basically my my father, who came over from the UK um, for work, and he's, first of all, he's, he settled in New South Wales and started going to the rugby league and was following the Bellman Tigers. Uh, a few years there, and then he made the trip down to Melbourne for work, and um, he just obviously stuck with the Tigers' theme and started going a few Richmond games. Um, so basically from there, he was basically just the Tigers' supporter from from landing in Australia. Um, and my first game, I would have been about four or five, um, and it was Richmond versus Hawthorne, and it was Dunstall's 17 goals. Um and I was, yeah, like I said, four or five, and out by half time. So it must have been a great game for the Tigers. Um, and like I said, it was uh still putting on a show and kicking seventeen on Scotty Turner. So um, not many, not many good days as a Tigers fan since then. But stuck, uh, stuck tough with the Tigers, and hopefully some success is not too far away.
0: Yeah, we're looking okay so far without wanting to jinx ourselves. And, Reese, how did you become a Geelong supporter?
2: Um, I was like one of your early guests. I actually was a Collingwood supporter when I was really, really little. I was a thing I was like two, and my sister said to me, you can't go for Collingwood anymore because I go for Collingwood and mum goes for Collingwood and dad goes for Geelong, so you need to be a boy and go for Geelong. And that was pretty much how I became a Geelong fan. Wow. I got told to. As
0: simple as that. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> And'll we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go with a bit of a different topic, uh, Reese, do you have a favorite Richmond memory?
2: I've got two. Um, <laughs> one, I'll make short and sweet. I'll just mention the year. It was 2007. Um, <laughs> we, we can we I'm, can edit we can edit, do it. It. we can edit we can
0: edit this out you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't go into that anymore because I want a Richmond podcast. Uh, but I don't <laughs> remember the I don't remember the year of this or um, the exact details. So it will be pretty hard for anyone to guess what it was. All I remember is Richmond key ten or eleven goals in either the third or fourth quarter. To come from behind and completely roll Hawthorn, um, Kraz and his dad took me to the footy, and he, his dad, absolutely was losing it. And I vividly <laughs> still remember him grabbing Kraz and shaking him, screaming in his face. We've kicked eight effing goals, and then just like shaking his child, or we were both just <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> so that, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for the Tigers because of, um, like, you blokes, but um, especially that moment.
0: So you want more because your mate was getting hurt as opposed to the eight goals that we kicked in the quarter. That's good.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it was a bit of a combination. <laughs>
0: All right, we'll uh, move on to the Autopsy Play of the Year Award. So the votes that come in after the Round 20 game against Hawthorne were Josh Caddy with five votes, Dion Prestia with four votes, Dustin Martin with three votes, Kane Lambert with two votes, and Dylan Grimes with one vote. So that makes the leaderboard. In fifth place, Jack Rewald on 15 votes... Uh, equal fourth on seventeen votes is Toby Tabinan Curvis and Kane Lambert. In third place is Alex Rance on thirty-eight votes. Second place Trent Cochran on forty votes, and in first place still is Dusty Martin on sixty-six votes. Now, Krez, what do you reckon? Those votes are pretty accurate. With Caddy with the five and Dion Presty with the four.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely Caddy's best game uh, for us. I guess statistically, I, I think like. Obviously, Caddy's been a bit hard done by, and yeah, some of his performances haven't been that great. But when you, I guess when you look at it, he's he's really helped Dusty, Cotchen, um, players like that in the midfield. He's taken that, that extra body off the big names there. Um, he, he, he's been... he's yeah, Sorry, he's been... Um, he has been great for us, and statistically it was his, his best game, but I thought his first month with us was, was great as well. I think that gets forgotten. Um, as for as for Prestia, it was again his best game for us as a Tiger. It was just um, it was just his uh, decision making in tight contests that that I was very impressed with, um, and, and I think that's exactly why he was brought into the team um, and paid I guess a, a big price for him. With I think it was pick six, um, but yeah, no, I think he's starting to show some some good form and getting some fitness um, coming into the finals, I guess so. Um, yeah we're really looking forward to see how he goes for the next next few weeks,
0: yeah, and both of those guys are pretty hard done by on on their on our board, even during the game thread. Josh Caddy was copying an absolute pasting, and even if we even if we take away the three goals that he kicked because yes granted they were out the back, he still had to work hard to get there mm. to take those away right. his work rate around the ground was exceptional, and the fact he was pretty much playing as a key forward and crashing packs and bringing the ball to ground, I thought he was awesome and he was very very hard done by some posters.
2: I will say about Josh Caddy, uh, he was one of my many guys that are mid-tier guys that I love and hope will take a step to elite, but he used to, he, he still hasn't done it, but that if he is going to do it, it's now, because that's usually his one good game for the year if, if he keeps his <laughs> Geelong form. But hopefully, well, hopefully he decides after this weekend to keep performing well.
1: I saw a statistic today that, at Skilled Stadium, there's only one player that's that's been successful and, and had tasted victory at um, at Skilled Stadium, and it's Josh Caddy. Not anyone on our on the list has has won at Skilled Stadium. So hopefully he knows he knows how to manoeuvre the ground and um, continues that form. It's just a ground.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll push on to the roast and toast. Uh, Reese, you've got the roast this week. What have we got for us?
2: Um, I'm going to have to, uh, roast Tom Papley. I'm (laughs) not going to call him all sorts of names, but I love the guy. I love the way he plays his footy. I reckon he's as hard as a cat's head and it's two weeks in a row that he reckons he's just been absolutely hammered it perfectly and it's dropped him. Um, and yeah, he's a player that you'd love to have in your side and, but he's just got a, stop dropping so easily. I mean, if he copped an elbow in the face while he was running for to the, to the ball, it wouldn't knock him over. And on a side note, I reckon Jimmy Bartell needs to start helping us out a bit more on the MRP, but that's another thing.
0: He's still very, very upset that you made him retire.
2: <laughs> he, needs he needs to get, to get over
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> and, Krause, you've got the toast. He, uh, he
1: did help you a few weeks ago with with Joel. at was oh, against West true. Coast? Mm. Yeah.
0: The only thing so that Stan
2: Mitchell had that
0: coming. The only thing that could be is Bartell must have a <laughs> Bartell must have a poster of Richard up on his wall or something like that. And he's just trying to help the Tigers out. Could be. <laughs> and Crazy, you had the toast this week. What have you got?
1: Yeah. Look, my toast um, is. I'm going to obviously stick with the Tigers um, with all all my kind of conversation pieces, but I think that the defense uh, for me has been the reason why we are, you know, where we are at the moment. And like, look, again, you look at the stats and we've got the best, um, I guess, against points. Uh, we're, we're winning the competition and the lowest um, kicked against us. And it's it really, it's a credit to to the coaching staff, the defense, defensive coaches, uh, Alex Rance. I mean, he's our MVP. Uh, you can talk about Dusty all you want, but you take Rance out of, out of that defense. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like we'll, we we get lost a bit, but I think it's more so. You've got your Asprey's, your Grimes's, uh, Brandon Ellis has gone to another level, and I, I feel like it's because of Alex Rance. Um, you can tell they will do anything for him. Even after a goals kicked against us, you, you watch them huddle together, and they just listen to him, and he just marshals that defense, and it's it's to me, it's the reason why you know, we are third at the moment. So, um, yeah, that's my toast for this week.
0: I think that's spot on uh, with his leadership as well. I think there was a point in the game on the weekend where Luke Bruce kicked a goal that he, he must, I think he got a cheapy, um, an uncontested mark. And as soon as that happened, Rantz just lost his shit and got all the guys together and just laid it yeah. out there. And, and they you know, regrouped and, and got back onto it. But you're right, they just respect the hell out of him. And, yeah, he's been exceptional. Yeah,
1: yeah, they do. He's the, like I, I call him, the general. Yeah. And, um, and you know, it's it's like players, you know, brought in um, in the middle of the year, like Nathan Broad, who, you know, was probably at the time only given a week or two, um, but he's played so well. And it's because of leaders like, you know, Rant and, and Caution that have helped him. And he busts his ass everywhere. I mean, yesterday, you saw him gut running 100 metres, you know, back every time. Uh, same with Brandon Ellis and players like McIntosh. here, yeah, they might not be the most skillful of players, but you know they're, they're busting their ass for the team, and that's all you want really as a as a supporter base. It's all you want in players is is to bust their ass and, and give it their all, and and they are this year. So yeah, that's that's where we are at the moment, in third. That's the reason why we are because the defence.
2: If I can if I can say anything about Rance, like I, people always will compare him to Scarlett because it's the closest Mm. to being – and they're in the same generation just about. But I always watch Rance and at first I didn't really understand the comparison, but I look at it now. I I started to this year realize that Rance does things on the footy field physically that I don't think Scarlett would be able to, and he's now starting to lead all the others around him. Um, What what would that be? What's what's the difference? Oh, just – well, when I. When I watched um, the Sydney game live with you guys, the amount of times he just—it looked like he could not possibly make the contest—and he was always making every single contest. And he was nearly dropping down to his knees; he was so spent. But he was just there, and it was like he was the back six. And I was like, I don't think Scarlett could have been the back six the way it was like without Ranch. You guys were, it looked like you guys were toothless. And now mm-hmm. he's just leading everyone around him as well and bringing them up to his level, like. There's not a person. I don't even know if Richmond fans would have thought that David Asprey would be talked about the way that people are starting to talk about him. But you got to put that down. Obviously, there's Leppich's back, but Rance is leading those players. And yeah, I reckon he he'll, if he keeps this up for the next four or five years, he'll, he'll go down as one of the greatest uh, fullbacks ever, centre backs, whatever you want to call it. Oh,
1: definitely, and it's interesting and to
2: think that uh,
1: sorry to think that Asprey too uh, was it. That's not a season, maybe two seasons ago, we were willing to chop me out to Brisbane for a second round pick I think it was and you know in hindsight I would you know that would have been a terrible terrible thing um but yeah look he, he's easily our most improved and for him to take the number one defender each week and and be so confident in it um yeah uh, and again as, as Racy said it's it's to, to do with rants really
0: yeah well he's everyone who plays in that back line can play with confidence knowing that Rance will be there to spoil or he'll he'll be there to make a contest. They don't have to worry about too much coverage. Um, but just on Asprey, there was, I think there was an article written or an interview with him just recently, and he, he was extremely close to going to Brisbane. So apparently he did like a, a pros and cons list between the two clubs. Um, and he, he was obviously just wanting game time, um, but because of injury and and things like that, he was struggling to break into our side. And he just he couldn't go past not playing for a big football club like Richmond so I'm thankfully hung around because I think he'll finish in the top five in the BNF this year
1: yeah I'd have to agree with that
0: All right, we'll push on to the review of the Richmond Hawthorne game firstly. So Richmond 13-15-93 defeated Hawthorne 9-10-64, so we won by 29 points, which has now put us into third spot on the ladder. It was a massive game, and I must admit, I was pretty nervous before the game, um, just because Hawthorne were pretty much one of the most informed teams in the comp, and we are notorious at dropping games like that that actually mean something in terms of our season. So it was extremely comforting to see that they played so well, but at the same time, I can't—I couldn't help but sit there and look at the scoreboard and think, you know, if Hawthorne happened to kick two or three quick goals, they're back in it. Um, it's just a bad habit I suppose a lot of us have gotten into. But I felt like we had control of that game from start to finish after re-watching bits and pieces. Uh, what were your thoughts on it, Krez?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely agree. I, I, felt, I felt pretty confident going into it. Um, I just feel like the last month... We've turned a bit of a corner mentally, and I knew yesterday going into it, if, if we could get the win, no matter how big big or small the margin, it would do us uh, wonders mentally. Um, but, yeah, look, from the, from the get-go, we were we were on, and our pressure was, was amazing. It, like I said to uh, a few of my mates today, that I've never seen a Hawthorne uh, uh, squad or a Hawthorne team pressured um, with – with the ball and their decision-making was, you know, wasn't really up to par with their past few years. Um, And I I put that down to our pressure and us being switched on right from the start. And and it showed.
0: Yeah, it was, um, I think I put it in the, in the preview thread that I put on Big Footy that the high octane pressure was what we needed to do especially without Jack Rewalt uh, running around up front yes. and yeah the boys definitely brought it in spades and like we spoke but earlier the back line was pretty immense Caddy and Prestia were good um And the ball movement, it was just that that quick, sharp movement coming out of the back line was really good. And we got those easy goals over the back, except for the one that uh, Miles stuffed up. (laughs) (laughs) I I couldn't believe what I was watching with that. But the only thing we had to kind of tidy up at three-quarter time, we were getting beaten pretty badly in the clearances. So we, we did get back on top of it in the last. But, yeah, it was definitely a good win from a mental perspective. And I think being a younger side, they don't have those mental demons like maybe some of the older players do.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. I think mentally, though, um, the difference in 12 months ago with our squad, obviously we had a better start to this year. It gives you the confidence, but um, it's just the younger guys, especially ones that have come in this year. Butler, uh, um, obviously Urioli played last year, but hes I think he's gone to another level mid-year. Yeah, he had a bit of a dip in form. Um, but to me, it's it's the confidence of, of these younger guys that are really pushing more experienced guys, um, and it's taken us to another level. So watching,
2: um, watching, watching it in the first quarter, I could just, as a neutral, I could just tell that you guys were on and your pressure, everything that you guys were saying. It was, if any team could have worked back into back into the game, it was Hawthorne, But I just couldn't have seen it. Yep, and. Obviously, they didn't. And, yeah, you guys are just – you're playing as a cohesive unit. I mean, if you had said at the start of the year you will be missing Jack Rewalt for a game against Hawthorne, how do you think you'd go? You'd never think you'd win it. No, um, definitely not. No, definitely not. Definitely
0: not. And the Cats versus the Swans game, we'll touch on that quickly as well. So Sydney 16-11, 107, defeated Geelong 8-13-61. So they got up by 46 points, uh, which knocked you guys down to fourth after we won. What did you make of the game, Reese? It was a really weird one. I, I thought, I tipped you guys. I thought you were going to do, do pretty well against them down there, but it just seemed to kind of fall apart pretty quickly in the early stages.
2: Um, did they- Tougher, harder, and a lot more committed. And they play at a level that I reckon we hope to get to. They, um, they're um, just – every time I watch them, I hate them so much. But it's because they're <laughs> so good. And, like, just – I've written down a few things here. And just have a listen to this, like – Listen, we won, like Geelong won the following stats. We had more disposals. We had more inside 50s. We had more contested possessions. We had more uncontested possessions. We had more marks. We had more inside 50 marks. We had more stoppage clearances and more hitouts. <laughs> they had one more tackle, one more center clearance, two more contested marks and eight more intercept possessions. They had six more scoring shots and one by 46 points. They're just, they were just so, super efficient. Every time they got the ball, they were just yeah. so effective with it. And, it was, and you could see, we didn't want to give them the ball, and we let them pressure us all the way back up our own ground just to try and not let them have the ball because it was like the players knew. If they got the ball, they're going to kick the goal. And it off. And, yeah, it was – while I never liked to write us off, it was pretty ominous Early, we did well to work our way back into it, but then the capitulation at the start of the last quarter was not good.
0: And I think you did, you did, you did have a few chances. I mean, you made a goal, and missed some absolute sitters that could have got you back into the game a little bit. But I think yeah. I don't think it would have maybe ultimately mattered in the long run because Sydney, they were just on.
2: Yeah, I don't think we would have. I think we could have. All at best, we could have gotten closer. I don't think we would have been able to beat them. I mean, like. The bloke I mentioned before, Tom Papley, he's in probably their bottom six. And like some of the bottom six players we have have combined for about 20 games. And Zach Guthrie looks like he's 12. And Sam Simpson, (laughs) he looks the same. And yeah, but you can't make excuses for things like that. It's good for the youngsters to get beaten up a bit because then they learn that that's where they need to get to.
1: Was it um, as a... I guess, a neutral. Is it a mental thing, Is a player like at Dangerfield, who's obviously one of the best players in the comp, he, he's out, and you know he's out from an early stage. Is it a mental thing? It, it, it,
2: I think it's got to be to an extent. Um, Mitch Duncan's obviously having a brilliant year, but there's just been a lot over the last year or two who haven't stepped up since he's got there. It was almost like they felt like, He can do it, and I can get a bit of an armchair right here. Like, Menegola played really well. Um, Duncan played well. Scott Selwood played really well. But they're still not at the level of the likes of your Luke Parkers and your Hannah And it's just, when a player is as damaging as what that danger field is for us, it's just so hard to replace. Like, as much as he gets players involved and everything, you saw against Hawthorne, I want 40 kicks five goals Um, and not even bloody Hawkins kicks five goals right now. So unless it's against Carlton.
0: (laughs) I'll push on to probably the main topic to discuss and that's the MRP decisions. I know we touched on it in last week's episode, but from a Geelong supporters perspective, Reese, what was your thoughts on the danger field suspension from the tackle against cruiser?
2: Um, I knew he was gone because cruiser was knocked out and I think that I think that's a bit of the problem. Like they seem to be punishing players for the result and not the action, Mm -hmm. and I don't think that's what the MRP is there for. I mean, as a mate of mine said, he goes, "What if someone cops a wicked Falcon to the face and gets knocked out? Is the bloke who kicked it going to get rubbed out?" It's just, it's (laughs) going to get to a point where just because a guy's injured doesn't mean someone needs to be punished for it. If your head gets slammed mm-hmm. on the Eddie Head turf, you're probably going to get knocked out, no matter if oh, it was yes. a dangerous tackle or you slip over. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a bit silly. And it was why Grundy was always going to be rubbed out, too.
0: And even with the Grundy one on Ben Brandy, obviously got two weeks, I think it was. But in both of those tackles, I personally don't think that either of them slung that play to the ground, nor did they drive him into the ground. Um, no. It was just That's a tackle. And unfortunately, sometimes people get a bit unlucky like it's a contact sport at the end of the day and I know I've know i mentioned this incident before right. but when Jack Liney cleaned up Tom Lynch getting a hard ball get and broke his jaw the MRP wanted to rub him out for a few weeks and it just doesn't make sense and someone actually posted on Facebook earlier uh, like a tutorial from the AFL website on how to tackle, which has got a very young Joel Seldon and a very young Daniel Rich doing the demonstrations. And all of those demonstrations they did showed pinning the arms and taking the guy to ground to the side. And even in that video, the player who was tackled, his head ended up hitting the ground, albeit not <laughs> as hard because they weren't running a million mile an hour. Um, but then we get people in the media like Damien Barrett saying that we need to have a, a big look at tackling altogether and completely change the way the game's played from a tackling perspective next year but it's it's easy to say that, but there's angles there's momentum, uh, it's a split second reaction and as long as they're not intending to sling someone to the ground and drive them into the ground, it's kind of just a bit of bad luck I think sometimes
2: I don't understand like, I'm not a, I was never a good footballer but the idea that the tackler has to protect the person's head. I mean, it's not like you're guiding them down to the ground to make love to them. You're tackling them <laughs> to bloody get the ball and get a hold on the ball decision, which is exactly what Grundy did. And if you got half the people saying, yeah, they're pro Collingwood, but if they're saying it's a perfect tackle and then, there's, and then he gets rubbed out, was it three to two? Yes. It's just. It's ridiculous that it can be holding the ball, but he's being suspended. Yeah. And while I don't think, I don't think if just because an umpire says it's not a free kick that you shouldn't be suspended. But it it's such a stupid idea that someone can get rubbed out just because the opposition player was knocked out. I mean, how many players are going to get knocked out for tackling Angus Brayshaw or Paddy McCartan? Like these guys <laughs> yep. are. It's just. It's just silly, and I just think they're losing grip on the game, and they're trying to make it as safe as possible. But it's a contact game; it's a high speed game. People are going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Look, there's it's it's there's pressure. There's obviously
1: outside pressure from people who don't play the game that you know um, concussions are, are going to affect people later down in life. And yeah, fair enough. But as as you said, Michael's it's a it's a contact. Game, um, and these thing these things are going to happen. Um, and at the end of the day, Grundy puts on a great tackle, and he does what he's basically been taught to do from probably the first day he's ever played footy. And if Ben Brown gets up from that tackle, we're not talking about it about this issue. We're we're saying oh, it's a free kick to him. It's a perfect tackle. That's exactly right, um, and that's why it's so stupid. And and yeah, and Grundy Grundy plays this week. Um, and that's that's where it's it's going wrong in my in my opinion. And you know where, where are we going to be in a few years? Is it going to be touch football where where players are going to be too scared to actually lay a tackle?
0: And watching a few other games um, on the weekend, like after these incidents happened, where you kind of knew they were going to get rubbed out, that kind of tackle would happen thirty or forty times a game, and the player's head would still hit the ground, but it just wouldn't get him in that sweet spot. And like you just said that. That happens. Get up and it's play on, but it hits him in that wrong spot in the same kind of tackle, and the bloke's going to get two or three weeks for it. It's it's a bit ridiculous.
1: It is. And where does where do we stop? Um, you know that tackle that basically has rubbed Joel Selwood out for the year. Yeah. Okay. It was again another perfect tackle, but yeah. Okay. It's put Selwood out with an ankle injury. Where do we stop? Is that suspendable now? You know how how stupid are we going to get with this rule? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like why is a concussion, uh, you know, three down to two from a perfect tackle when Buddies was again the same, a perfect tackle and his
2: leg went under him? Is that suspendable, and you know, going forward? You, you look at Mumford. Mumford tried to take Max Gorn's head off, but because he didn't, it's the same. I think he got the same as Grundy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whereas one's mm-hmm. actually trying to play football and one's trying to take a guy's head off. It doesn't make sense. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't.
0: And no, that's where it should always be intent. Uh, We'll push on to the other ones that are probably affecting Geelong a lot more now. Uh, Tom Hawkins gets three weeks down to two for his jumper punch. Reese, your thoughts?
2: This is an idiot. How many (laughs) more times does this guy need to be told not to do it? I think he got suspended last year for, I think it was Phil Davis. I think he did it too. It might have been last year, I'm not sure. But then to miss already and then to do it it felt like he did it three times throughout the game. It's like, it's that's not tough anymore. You're going to have to assert yourself in a better way. And we've now lost him for quite possibly the most important game of the season. And, yeah, we've lost him and we've lost, if I can move forward, Duncan for both just being st- stupid. As much as I roasted Tom Papley, Duncan is dumb for what he did. There was never going to be an outcome that that worked out well for him or the club. And I
0: know reading the Geelong board, a lot of people are saying to appeal it, and part of me agrees that they should just on the logic that it shouldn't have been given a suspension. But at the same time, I I fear that if if Geelong appeal it, at the end of the day, he still punched the bloke in the stomach and there's a precedent set that equals a suspension, and you would hate for him to appeal it in the cop two weeks. Um, So it'd be interesting to see what the club does about that one.
2: Yeah, thanks for that, Trent Cotchin. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that uh, obviously we've been very lucky.
1: We've we've been very lucky this year at the at the MRP with Cotchin uh, twice, um, with his jumper punch on Lockie Neal and the one on the Saint Kilda player as well. But you know, same with Dusty. I mean, he copped the fine for the um, the I guess what against the, the Lions yeah. on yeah. the chin against the Lions. Um, can't remember the the little. Um, defender. That uh, Robert,
0: Nick Robinson. Yeah, that's
1: that's yeah. it, yeah. I mean, he got under his skin um, and he played it well. Um, he was toeing the line a bit there, but look, we've been very lucky. And I think that's where the frustration is, is that, you know, one week, it's not looked at and the next week, you got players like Merritt um, and Duncan that are, and, and Hawkins that are sitting out for a week when really, a month ago, cochin should have been sitting out for a week.
0: I think going forward, I wouldn't mind seeing, like, the jumper punches and the punches to the stomach. They're so soft, and it is just a bit of argy-bargy. I wouldn't even mind seeing the punishment be uh, an increasing fine each time that player does it. Even if it gets up to forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, or they want to keep doing it, they're going to keep forking that cash. I just don't think that those kind of actions warrant missing games. I think suspension should be left for deliberate strikes to the head or, you know, massive hip and shoulders off the ball when they're not looking, things like that that actually... Uh, a crude intentional act. That's that should be what suspensions are for.
2: It used to be fines with like it was just wrestling. When the yes. jumper punches got out of hand, it was fines for wrestling, and now a jumper punch is seen to be just as bad as someone. I'll go back to Mumford again because it's fresh in the mind. But and it just it I feel like there's a lot of people. Might be even more than a lot. It just it doesn't it doesn't make sense anymore as to why players are getting rubbed out for things that where it used to be that that's footy. Before the
1: game yesterday, I think they had a footy flashback on. And you, you look at it and you go, you know, I think it was a game from the early 90s, if I can remember correctly. And you look at it and the amount of, I guess, argy-bargy, some jumper punches thrown. And, and you just go, man, if, those, if the rules these days were in place back then, half the team would be missing the next week just from the little jumper punches and and the wrestling and the little melees that went on. And I know it's different times and and whatnot, but, you know, again, like I said previously, where do you, where do you draw the line? Um, And where do we move forward? Like to me, this is all little soft stuff. Um, Those little punches, they happen in the game and okay. Yeah. There's pressure outside pressure to get rid of this kind of stuff. Um, But again, where do you draw the line? And it's, it's becoming ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and the sad thing is it's probably going to cost someone a spot in a grand final one day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is what it's yeah, going yeah. to come down to. Well, uh, We'll push mm-hmm. on to the preview of this week's big game. So third versus fourth on the ladder. And the winner would just about secure a top four spot and still be in the hunt to finish as high as second. Um, and uh, as a lot of us Richmond supporters will know, we haven't beaten Geelong since round nine in 2006. So a very long time between drinks, and if there was any time that we could probably knock them off, um, given these recent outs, then now would be the time. So hopefully the boys come with a switched-on mentality. Kraz, we will get your thoughts first. How do you think we can go about winning this game?
1: Well, obviously, it's all about the outs. Obviously, Dangerfield comes in for Selwood. But, um, yeah, look, again, like I mentioned before, our defence is, well, I believe, it's the best defense in the league. Um, and with Hawkins missing, obviously it's just going to be uh, Harry Taylor up forward. Uh, is that right, Reezy? Uh Well, I would think so. It might yep. have to be the uh, Harry Taylor show. Yeah, so he... Oh, I don't want to mention it, but he tore us up with his, his late switch in the last quarter last year, and we, we, um, well, we dropped a very winnable game. We're up by... Five goals, I think it was, going into that last quarter, and um, that we should we should have won last year. And Harry Harry Taylor was the difference. Uh, obviously, different mindset and different bit of a different team this year. But um, I think our, I think with um, Hawkins out, uh, I think obviously where it's gonna where it's gonna be won for us. Uh, we're going to keep them to a low score, in my opinion. Um, and it's just weather our small forwards and obviously Jack comes back back in this week. Um, you know, we've just got to we've just got to really at the end of the day. I know it sounds stupid, but um, if we can get a few goals in early, especially what happened to, uh, to Geelong last week, um, we've, we're going to lock lock them down. And then I don't feel like they're going to kick a, a big score um, with with our defence. Uh, but it's it's me- mental if if we can go off the back of uh, yesterday. Um, against Hawthorne, if we can come out strong, get on top early, um, it's going to make make the difference. And with uh, Selwood out and a few big names out, the mentality for them, um, hopefully, we're a bit stronger uh, to start off with. I think that's where we're going to
0: win it. Yeah, and I think you're right. And One thing we can always be confident of is our back line will do a pretty good job. Um, No matter how many inside 50s other teams get, we seem to have a pretty good ability to restrict scoring. Uh, So it will heavily come down to that. But, yeah, it's going to be a massive midfield battle as well. I know they're missing some key players, but they've still got – I mean, Guthrie's still a gun. I mean, I love watching him play. Um, So he's one we have to keep an eye out for as well. Uh, But, Reese, what do the Cats Mm -hmm. have to do to get over the line?
2: Uh, a lot different to Friday night. (laughs) That's one thing. Um, I I think it's going to have to be almost what we saw when we went up to um, Spotless. It's just going to have to be one of those efforts where you sit back and go, geez, we actually, our future looks really bright here with kids absolutely doing things that you didn't think they were capable of. The likes of Menegola are going to have to put in massive performances. So was Scott Selwood again. we'll need Zach Smith to ruck and absolutely destroy Saldo and Nankervis. Um I can only assume they're going to bring Stanley in for Hawkins. Um, so it'd be nice if he played his good game for the year this week. Um, but it, it, I'm never not confident because of the error that we've been through, but it's one of those ones where it's, We'll need the likes of Parsons to kick three. We'll need some of the other younger players to blow up with a couple. We'll need Tui to play out of his skin. It'll it'll all have to go right for us, and um, we'll need you guys to be the team that you've been to us for the last decade for us to stand a chance. We need you guys to get stuck inside your heads.
0: Yeah. And to be honest, there's every chance that could happen. Um, I think that you guys are going to come out really strong to prove a point given the whole MRP stuff and and losing last week to Sydney. So it's not going to be a walk in the park by any stretch. You you mentioned Scott Soward before. I'm tipping he's the obvious matchup for Dusty.
2: Yeah, I would think he goes there. Uh, I don't think I'm alone as a Geelong fan and saying that I hope he niggles him to the point where Dusty just gives him a real soft, um, Jumper <laughs> punch that pulls him out for probably seven weeks, but um, yeah, I would th- I would think Scooter's got to go to Dusty, um, and if that doesn't work, he'll have to go to Cochin, because we'll have to we'll have to do something about him. Um, It'll be nice to see Danger versus Dusty in a one on one, but I don't think we can afford to take that risk with the outs that we've got.
0: And Krause, you mentioned before about Harry Taylor being the difference last year, assuming he plays up forward, who is David Asprey the right matchup for him?
1: Well, Asprey's been taking all, all season long. He's been taking um, the, the main defender, and, and in my opinion, doing an amazing job. Uh, like I said before, it, to me, he's our most improved, um, and he he will he'll take the key forward, whoever it is, and I think it will be Harry Taylor. Rance will obviously. Um, will float around and be third man up. Um but yeah I think Asprey Asprey gets Harry Taylor. Um that's, that's, it's been working. Why change
0: it? Yeah, fair call. And at the other end of the ground, for your defence, Reese, Lockie Henderson, he, he's had a, a decent year, um, but I'm I'm just not sure who he's going to line up on, to be honest, this week. Because on the assumption that Rewalk comes back in, Tom Lonigan will probably go to him because he's done a pretty good job on him in previous years, I must say. Which leaves a whole heap of small forwards for Lockie Henderson to look after.
2: Well, it'll be interesting. Um, they're either gonna, yeah back Lonergan in against um, Jack and used Henderson to try and sweep around because I, I really like Henderson. I really like the acquisition of him. I, th- I think he's been brilliant, and I don't think he gets anywhere near the Florida City he the Observes playing our back six. But I wouldn't be surprised if they um, rested uh, Lonergan and had Henderson play on Jack. But I can see him trying to take on a resting um Nankervis or Soldo in the forward line and then if all's not going well they'll swing him forward because he can pitch it there as he's tried to a couple of times but nowhere near as effective as Big uh, carried
0: and the last player we obviously mentioned him earlier but Patrick Dangerfield on his return game uh, I personally think he's going to run right he's going to come, come out all guns blazing what do we have to do to try and curb his influence Chris?
1: um well yeah i mean how do, how do you tag him? I mean there hasn't been many people that can um but you know is it a is it a Vlosten, is it a um mm. is it a lamb king lambert that that goes to him i I think we may put a, a tag on him, but um i know uh, I feel like we'll be confident um to not always go with him obviously there'll always be someone near him. <laughs> I don't think there'll be a hard tag um, where it takes one of our players out of the game. I think um, with Selwood out, I think that frees us up a little bit more. Obviously, they bring someone in and they're going to be quality, but um, I don't think a hard tag will be on him. Maybe a miles if he retains his place. Um, But, um, yeah, look, I I would like to see Lambert. Lambert's done well. I think he's previously, um, during a mid-match, been – Put on a player that's been playing well and, and done a good job. So, I would say um, I'd like to see if, if we do do a hard tail. I'd like to see Kane Lambert. He's got the tank and probably the speed to go with him.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And from a Richmond perspective, with Rewalt being the inclusion, who do we reckon comes mm. out? I, I, unfortunately, I think Miles might make way. Um, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. I don't mind him in the team, but yeah, I'm just not sure who else we could. I, I don't want to kick out, I actually think he's doing a good job. Yes. Um, his, his tap work's right. quite good. Yeah, he might not be super effective around the ground with marking and kicking and all that, mm-hmm. but he's creating a contest, and more importantly, he's giving Nankervis the drop out he needs, um, so we don't so we don't drive him into the ground. So we actually get more out of him over the space of four quarters than what we have previously. So I think it might be someone like Miles that that may make way for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. You've got to put Jack in if he's raring to go. Um, you've got to put him in. Uh, in saying that, we, have, we haven't missed him. Um, I know our opposition hasn't been as strong in the last few weeks that he's missed. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I think Miles probably makes way. I can't see us changing up the forward line drastically with a small forward um, like a Butler, even though, look, Butler's been a bit quiet uh, the last month. Um, another person's you know that may make way is Corey Ellis. Uh, I wouldn't like to see it after a pretty pretty solid game uh, yesterday. Uh, but look, I think Miles probably comes out for um, for Jack, and again, it's lucky Selwood goes out, so we have the luxury um, to to drop a mid, like an inside mid.
0: And Reese from a- you've got
1: to keep. Oh, sorry.
2: I was just going to say, I would love it if you dropped um, Soldo because um, it would. Have been, I feel like it would advantage Smith entirely if Nan had to yes. go four quarters against him. Yeah, well, we've seen um, we've
1: seen in the middle of the year when you know it was just Nan going solo on the rock. He's he tires quick, and I mean that that's what Rockman Rockman do these days. They tire quick because they're they're asked to do so much other than ruck. Um, and his his body halfway through the year, I was I had fears that it was going to be the same as Marich. I mean, he went unassisted in the rock for so long, and you look at it now; his his body's pretty run down. Um, and I, I had the fear, same fears for Nan uh, for Nan Kervis, but Soldo coming in has just given him that that extra room to breathe, really, and and freshen up, and and go down forward and rest. Um, and yeah, like you said, Michael's yeah, he's not setting the world on fire. And What was it? It's like his fifth or sixth game for us. Um, you can't you can't ask for a ruckman to come in and absolutely star from from day dot and he picked up footy late as well. Everyone's got to remember that. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see Soldo stay because especially with um, two athletic ruckmen for Geelong, he can't go unassisted um, in such a crucial game. Absolutely.
0: And for Geelong, Reese, it's just going to be as simple as Dangerfield in, would out, and then Stanley comes in I'm assuming for Hawkins and who who would make way or who would come in for Duncan sorry assuming that there's no appeal
2: well I, I've read so many mixed reports on whether or not Motlop's good to go so I think if he is you have to no matter how poor of a season Motlop's had it's just we we can't probably play a first gamer or one of the youngsters but Chris Scott's done it before and I'd I feel like I'm sometimes alone in this. I'm one of the very few who really, really rate Chris Scott and thinks he's excellent. Um, I mean, he played debutantes up at Spotless, and we came away with a draw, unlucky not to win. Um, so I'm sure he'll be thinking it through, and he'll have something, and hopefully it proves to be a tactical masterstroke that everyone will say was a fluke. But, Yeah. <laughs>
0: And before we finish up, we'll just get a prediction from everyone on the game. So, Kraus will start with you. What's your prediction and margin?
1: Uh, look, I, f- I feel like it will be close. Um, we've got the mentality, I think, after the last few weeks with-, with Jack not featuring and us winning comfortably those last two games. And I think um, with the outs, we we have to win uh, from a mental perspective. Um I feel like it's going to be close all, all game. Um, it, Geelong are hard to beat down there. And we, like, like you mentioned before, we have not beaten them since 2006, you said. Uh, so the, ment- the, the mental edge um, goes to Geelong there. But I feel like our form and our, our belief that we can now match it with these big guys um, and, and the, the, in, so the exclusions from them, again, will give us an, a bit of an edge as well. So... I give us uh, very close for three quarters, and I feel like we may pick him in the end by two to three goals.
0: Fair enough. And what about yourself, Reece?
2: Um, I'm expecting the Wiley buzzer show. He'll just make Brantz look <laughs> pathetic. Uh, no. No, I, I, I hope we can make it a really close game. I feel like... Um, Almost the exact same as Craig's in a sense. I think if it's close to three-quarter time, I think we can run over the top uh, with the benefit of what the media call the noise of affirmation. Hopefully, Skilled Stadium is absolutely rocking with the, if you believe the media, three Richmond fans that are allowed to come because we don't let them come. Oh, I, um, I have a
0: joke on that yeah. shortly.
2: But, yeah, I, I, I still think we're going to win. Um, but I thought we beat Sydney. so. And Any kind of margin? Oh, look, I reckon it could be a really close one again like last year. I'm thinking five points.
0: Fair enough, and I I would like to think we can get the job done similar to what we did to Hawthorne, but it's just, like you said, Chris. it's such a mental hurdle, maybe even more so for the supporters Mm. and the players. The players might not even care about the mental hurdle, to be honest, but um, I reckon reckon we we might get up by anywhere between 15 to 20 points. Um, And as a side note, ironically, even if we do win, Joel Selwood would still have not lost to Richmond because he's missing (laughs) the game in his entire career. So he still has a chance to keep his record intact.
2: I think that's Tom Hawkins as well.
0: Is it really? Wow, that's quite yeah, sad.
2: Uh, they, were, they were both 07 and uh, they're both
0: missing. So. And uh, just a reminder for to the listeners, the game is on Saturday at 2.10pm at Skilled Stadium and we're on Foxtel Live from 2pm. And the VFL is actually also won at 10:15 at Skilled Stadium, so Geelong versus Richmond. So make sure you get down to check out the VFL guys as well. And just to the Richmond listeners out there, hopefully a few of you were lucky enough to find that golden ticket to be able to attend the Geelong game this year, given how rare it is to get in. And if you do, enjoy the trip down, and hopefully we can get a win for you. Uh, Kraz, Reesey, thank you so much for coming onto to the show, guys. And until next time, go Tigers.
2: Go Tigers. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>